Hey, Carla. I'm here with uh, Callum Forsyth. Is that how you pronounce his surname? Uh, Forsyth. Forsyth. Where is yeah. that surname from? It's uh, Scottish, I believe. Yeah. Ah, but you're not Scottish. Well, my dad was born in Scotland, so I'm, I guess, technically Scottish in some respect. Oh, okay. It's a bit of a tenuous connection, but it works for me. Okay. <laughs> Up until Brexit came along, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so we are here with Callum because he is part of the experience strategy team of Sapien Razorfish. Um, and the purpose of today's interview is to try to explain to our listeners the differences between experience strategy, design strategy, business design, service design. There's a lot of like n- new terminology, I would say, yeah. for... Um, you know, disciplines that are related to design, but also related to the business and what the strategy is for the business. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I think we maybe we start a little bit with your background, you know, sure. what you actually do here and of course. and what's what, what basically, where did you come from? Okay, so uh, where did I come from? Well, good question. <laughs> it's very deep. Um, so I, in terms of a professional um, standpoint, I actually came from the, the dark world of advertising um, after deciding not to become a lawyer. So that's a longer story. But um, I started off working, first of all, as kind of like what's called a planner in the industry. So um, more from a kind of like, you know, deep hidden truths and insights in the world of kind of both uh, digital advertising and also above the line advertising. And I found that really exciting because at that stage, you know, mid to late 2000s, I guess it was sort of a fun place to play, mm-hmm. um, you know. A little partying. A lot of partying, good times. Um, <laughs> but also I think, you know, creative was still very strong. Like advertising was still considered to be like a really strong lever for achieving what businesses wanted to achieve. But as I sort of spent more time in that industry, I think I got to the point where I sort of felt like it's kind of a myopic way of looking at how you actually achieve business goals or actually drive behavior change uh, because advertising is only just one lever in terms of influencing people. And I guess also at that time, agencies were starting to fall a bit out of favor in terms of, you know, their sort of um, place at the table in terms of, um, you know, business decisions. So I kind of moved sideways out of that world and I kind of dabbled a bit in the innovation world for a while. So I was in freelancing for an innovation agency. And then after that time, I actually started working for um, uh, Razorfish, which then kind of got semi-acquired, I, I guess, by um, my current employer. Uh, so, um, Sapient, now Sapient Publicist, or Publicist Sapient. I always get quite confused with oh, the yeah, names. Oh, no, it's not Sapient Razorfish anymore. No, it? it's, I think it's Publicist Sapient. So, it's part of the evil okay. empire of Publicist, Publicist <laughs> Sapient. So, um, anyways, uh, I think for me, uh, my career has kind of been defined by kind of constantly moving, constantly moving sideways. And the reason I think I've been doing that is because I'm incredibly curious, but also always wanted to sort of get to what's really driving change, what's really driving influence. Um, so yeah, I think I got to a point where I thought advertising was, in, was fun, but also got to a point where I was like, it's a bit limited in what I can achieve. Yeah. And that's when I think I started becoming more interested in stuff like, um, service design, UX, innovation, and I guess more recently kind of proposition design. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really thinking about how people create growth. Um, so growth strategies in terms of growing out new revenue streams, um, understanding how you move into a space which is ambiguous and identify kind of areas which could be like a new business or a new service or even just a better experience mm-hmm. on a very simple level. So, yeah, how can you look at a problem space effectively and um, come up with a with a new way of sort of tackling that problem? Yeah. Uh, and there's obviously lots of different ways of doing that, which I guess is what today's about. Yeah. So 
I guess, like, I, I, as you know, I come from a UX background, even though um, it was UX, but more like less into the design side, more into the research side, and also right. into the strategy. Yep. Um, sometimes I see that uh, in some companies, and especially in some projects, you yep. see tasks or responsibilities of a experience strategy yeah sometimes being very similar to a ux yep. lead or a UX, sure. especially if you're talking about more like um more senior ux sure. people within agencies absolutely so what do you think are the key differences between what you would call experience strategy or design strategy and what a ux person does so my response to this might be a bit dated but i guess the classic way of um, trying to pull these apart and I think it's blurring today is that UX was traditionally more about sort of like you know the trenches of the UX the actual sort of surface of the product whether that's a website or an app or what have you or an interface so it's very much for me about understanding interaction and behaviors kind of on that platform or in that space whereas I think experience design or um, design strategy which is kind of the name of my department is much more trying to I think connect the higher kind of context of like, you know, the market landscape or like the business drivers and trying to find a good role for what that UX strategist or that experience strategist is doing. Okay. So trying to kind of bring in, I guess, a high level context to sort of define a better brief for how you go about solving that problem. But I think today it is a real, um, it's kind of a bit of a conundrum because I feel like those two disciplines blur a lot, especially at a senior level. Mm-hmm. So I think... You know, it's almost like if I sort of cast my mind back to the bad old days of advertising, you'd kind of have the strategist and you'd have like the uh, creative team would be like copywriter and art director. And I think as people get more similar, uh, sorry, more senior in their roles, I think they'd be almost not equally equipped, but they should have that kind of peripheral vision to kind of take on that other person's role and run with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you're seeing that more and more these days. Yeah. There's a real blurring of the boundaries. Okay. But yeah, to sort of summarize, I think... Um, as a business designer or as a um, design strategist, yeah, you're tasked with kind of taking that high level view with really trying to understand what the kind of the high level context is from like, you know, really digging into the business and really understanding, you know, why is this business behaving in the way it is? What are the things that are going on either from a customer level or a business driver's level that mean um, that this is the right space to plan as a problem? And how do you go about solving that by sort of looking across the horizon of the competitor world and going, okay, something really interesting going over there. Um, mm-hmm. How could we leverage this in this unique problem space that we've got? So I think they're, they're, they're both types of problem solving. They just operate at different levels. Different levels. Yeah. Okay. So I think you started like mentioning as you were giving um, me the answer of my previous question, but what are the key things or activities mm. that when you, let's say you start a project and a lot of our listeners are quite like, not a lot of them, but uh, I'm not saying they're quite junior, but they are starting in the US sure, world. Sure, 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 sure. Um, if they start a um, a new project and they have an experience strategies or designing strategies in their yep, teams, yep. what kind of um, activities or deliverables do you expect from a person with your skill set? Okay. Um, I'd expect that person to yeah come to the table in terms of like kicking off a project and um, hopefully put like a framework around the challenge that you're solving. Like I think that's the best thing someone can do is establish, okay, what's the right level of ambition for this project in terms of what level should be coming in at. In terms of the deliverables that person should be delivering, I think um, an experience brief um, is Mm -hmm. quite key, um, depending obviously on the sort of the scope and scale of the project. But what I mean by that is um, basically it's a, a brief which kind of 
sets the scene in terms of where the brief's coming from, um, gives you some real context around what the business challenge is and tries to, I think, um, really sort of get under the skin of why that's a problem. So going beyond the symptoms of what the problem is mm-hmm. in terms of what we're observing. So not just saying, ah, oh, you know, I've observed this behavior, but why that behavior is happening. Yeah. Um, so really getting under the skin of the problem and also trying to do the same thing, not only from a business perspective, but also from a customer perspective. So really trying to get into the psychology of the customers, really trying to explain why those behaviors are going on. And then also from like, it's from like a competitive positioning point of view, really understanding why that sort of experience or that journey or that proposition is or isn't working in the market and how that can sort of change um, or be um, improved. Um, so yeah, if you take that experience brief as sort of a backbone, mm-hmm. I think different things fall out of that in terms of key deliverables. So um, I'm probably going to repeat myself here, but like, you know, a good sort of view of the landscape yeah. from a competitor context in terms of, you know, what the sort of the special sources of that um that brand that you have vis-a-vis other brands in market, um, how they're sort of communicating and um, attracting customers, um, you know, what the sort of the uh, maybe from a more like UX point of view, what the kind of like the key sort of um, experience design patterns are that you're seeing. So whether it's an app or whether it's a website or whether it's a particular type of journey. Um, again, providing some real rich context about the customer that really makes you think, okay, because I know this now, it's changing the way that I'm looking at the product or it's changing the way I'm looking at the category or it's changing the way that that person looks at the business. So trying to find, I guess, nuggets that can really sort of energize the team and help them really get them to the headspace of what that problem is. Um, and then, yeah, I guess if this kind of um, brief has been further defined, getting a bit more critical in terms of like what are the specific areas that that UX strategist can then sort of focus on and dig into in terms of here are some discrete problem areas within that product, service, website, app, whatever, that um, we need to attack. And perhaps, um, you know, this is kind of sometimes shared between the UX strategist and the, uh, you know, the design strategist, the experience strategist, some design principles in terms of like, bringing things together, providing kind of a nice kind of principled summary of what are the behaviors you want people to um, exhibit as a consequence of interacting with a thing you're building. Yeah. So is there, um, I think that makes a lot of sense. As you said, it all depends on the, on the type of skill sets that you have in a team. Sometimes a UX lead would share some of those yep. uh, responsibilities yep. with um, experienced designers as well as maybe feeding to it as well as a collaboration between yep. the two. Um, is it what do you think is um, responsibility of defining the KPIs for that particular experience strategy that you are putting together? Because I think yeah. in in if you think about experience, it's still very hard to measure yeah. uh, what you know uh, you know success looks like when you yeah. are yeah. doing a project. So you think the experience strategies or design strategies mm. should be defining those KPIs, and how do you? How do you, and if so, how do you make sure that, you know, a team who are, you know, working potentially in different places yeah. um, and with different like team leads, etc., yeah. would deliver on those? So sorry, you're saying who should define the, the KPIs? I think my, my, first, my first question is, yeah. would our experience strategy define yeah, yeah. KPIs? Yep. I think that's my so, first question. So I think um, it probably depends on the context of the challenge. So um I think, yeah, the experienced strategist should definitely have a point of view on those KPIs. Um, so, like, for example, if we are looking at, say, like, I'm working on a product proposition at the moment, um, it's something that I will probably put out in terms of these are the, you know, it's an emerging product that we're building. 
these are what I think are the kind of the key behaviors we're looking for the customer um, to sort of do as a consequence of, you know, using this product or service. And then these are kind of the things I think we should be measuring against. And then we'll kind of like talk about it as a team and kind of go, is that right? Does it feel right? Or is it wrong? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think if it's kind of a more simple kind of task, like if it's optimizing, say, a website, or if it's optimizing, say, a, um, a journey or an action on an app, I think that's going to be more mechanical and maybe that person's going to be looking at sort of benchmarks um, either from, you know, industry sources or trying to find out some like historic sources to say, okay, is this a realistic amount of uplift? And if we test this, do we think we can get to that? So I think in a simpler sense, yeah, I think that experienced strategists have a, definitely a strong point of view on sort of bringing to the table, like here are some guardrails that we should be measuring ourselves against. But I think um, when it comes to something which is more ambiguous and you as a product, you should be socializing that and, kind of, you know, bringing other people on the team since they're building it too and, and sort of drawing out from them whether they feel the stuff you're building is actually going to deliver the right sort of actions. Yeah, because yeah. the, the only reason, I think the second part of my question um, is related to the first one and the reason I'm asking is because I've been on a lot of projects in yeah. my experience where when you go through like the discovery phase or yep. the initial phases of a project, you have a clear view of what's the experience you're trying to deliver, yep. um, and what are the KPIs, or yep. at least the way you're going to measure whether or not yep. you're delivering on that experience. But throughout the delivery of that particular project, yep. sometimes you just lose that completely. Yep. Yep. So it was an app that I helped design and build for a retailer client, yep. I can't mention names. Yeah. but. Um, you know, one of the key things about these app was about like personalization. It was yep. about this. It was about mm-hmm. you know uh, quick search and intelligent dashboards yep. yeah, yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. Now, in the delivery, yep. all of this kind of like got lost to the point that they launched an app that wasn't really that great. Didn't have, even have a search, which you know is quite a big problem <laughs> in retail. Uh, but. It was um, so. I think the question I'm trying to to answer here, to ask here, is how do you make make sure that yep. those KPIs and the, those experience principles that you set up from the beginning yep. can yep. stay throughout the delivery yep. and launch of a product? Yeah, uh, it's a it's a good uh, good challenge, good question. Um, well, I think uh, so. Again, depending on the type of challenge you're doing, like if you're kind of working iteratively or like in sprints or what have you. I think you need to articulate, and again, this is a key sort of role for the experienced strategist, but again, should be done, I think, with a wider team, what those hypotheses are or those assumptions that you have. Mm -hmm. And to keep yourself honest, you should kind of really be tracking them as you go through the design process and just sort of making sure that you have validation, whether that's through, you know, lab testing or through remote testing, whatever, that you're getting those results. And I guess um, probably even refining them as you go along if your hypotheses change or you know if the benchmarks that you think you're measuring against are changing you need to sort of keep an eye on that Um, but ultimately getting stuff out into market you should have some kind of like tracking strategy as well in terms of a way of collecting that data and you know ultimately saying like is it working or not working and and why not yeah um so yeah i mean we're for for instance we're about to launch a proof of concept uh for a uh, a new product which is kind of you know, changing the whole idea of what a current account is. So it's um, basically, without going into too much detail, um, creating, instead of having your overdraft, which is kind of hidden away from the sort of the, the user's view, kind of, you know, your overdraft, you can never really see it until it's kind of smacked down to zero and then it appears, kind of breaking it out as a sort of a separate credit wallet, which would sort of appear alongside your current account mm-hmm. and they would connect to one another. Uh, but the, the idea in terms of behind the project is we're going to... Um, 
we'll have our proof of concepts, which will, you know, go live to a couple of hundred customers. Um, but to sort of have an effective kind of way of measuring success, not mm-hmm. only do we have to attract kind of what's going on in terms of the behaviors, but we also mm-hmm. need to um, do qualitative testing before we actually do that uh, testing with the proof of concept, both pre and post. So we can mm-hmm. kind of dig behind what those behaviors are and try and really understand, well, has there already been a shift in terms of, you know, how people feel about credit, how people feel about the way that they manage their money and really understand, you know, what was going on in terms of those behaviors. Mm-hmm. So we could have got like a sort of, you know, we can triangulate a view as to why that's happening, I guess. So um, part of that will be sort of saying like, okay, now that we've moved through like our design process and we have our hypotheses, what do we think is going to happen as a consequence now that we've got these um, this product in, in market in terms mm-hmm. of how people are going to behave and, and can we sort of, you know, put some kind of high level numbers against that? Well, that's good. Yeah. So would they, like before, because I think proposition development is something that is very unique, I would say, and it's very rare as well, especially in my experience. Yeah. Um, it's very rare that you get a brief of creating a new, a brand new product and service. Yeah. Um, when you are doing that kind of work, um, how do you make sure, like, how do you, what does an experienced strategist do? Um, during the definition of that product or service to have a view of how commercially it's going to work. Yeah. So how do you tell your client or your business yeah. or even if you're within a startup or something like that, yeah. what tools do you use or how do you actually come up with some view of um, what's the, basically yeah. how you're going to make money with it? Yeah, also a very good question. So, I mean, there's simpler and more complex ways of doing this so a very simple way of doing it which isn't particularly accurate but a lot of clients still do it is basically doing market sizing um, and looking for proxies so effectively what that means is sort of like almost taking like a top-down view of the market and saying um, okay uh, we have um, a target mm-hmm. audience who we believe is x size based on x characteristics that we have mm-hmm. um, and if this market audience is x size um, based on whatever the business model is that sits behind this product or service, we can basically um, make some assumptions about what kinds of behaviors uh, are going to happen. And mm-hmm. so, you know, um, a very sort of simple example, this might be something like uh, a while ago I worked on a proposition for a subscription model and it was trying to like work out, okay, if we have um, so many people that fit into like our customer profile who, you know, are, um, you know, convenience seeking um, sort of urban young hipsters who are looking for a good time or whatever at home um, that sounds really bizarre um, <laughs> then uh, this this market audience based on like using some proxy databases is, is so large um, but on top of that we need to like look at okay what are the specific behaviors that um, sit behind our products i.e product subscriptions or additional um, add-ons or things that you buy um, and how with what kind of frequency do we, do we expect that to happen so it's basically like an exercise of like layering um, on top of your kind of market audience size um, estimates of behaviors based on proxies that you see perhaps in other markets. So you'd go through and look at other kind of um, market proxies. So like other kind of subscription behaviors that have been successful. Mm-hmm. Are they kind of similar to ours? Are they different? How different? And trying to build like a set of kind of proxies to kind of estimate if you had this much take, take up and a kind of a ramp up over a sequence of years what might that sort of business look like? And this can get quite complex because you can start to get into like stuff like discounted cash flow models and all that kind of stuff. But I think um, depending on the, the client, I think it's um, 
it's a case of basically establishing is the market sort of big enough and frequent enough yeah. on a very basic level. Yeah. Um, and then there's other ways, yeah, I guess of sort of looking into it in more, in more depth, but um, that would be sort of like a basic way of, of tackling it. Yeah. I think that makes sense. So, um, I'll, well, perhaps some of our listeners will be interested in um, moving into the experience strategy space. Yeah. Um, what kind of recommendations in terms of training or um, books or like people to follow or any kind of resources that you think are valuable for someone to develop as skills more in the business design or sure. design strategy or experience design space? Um, so I think um, I may be a bit biased in my view of um, UX and maybe I've kind of belittled its scope a bit, but I think um, sometimes I feel like when I'm dealing with certain UXs, uh, they're incredibly good at what they do. Their attention to craft is immaculate. Sometimes they're almost like too pixel perfect, but it's kind of like everything for them is like the surface or like the immediate product they're working with. And I think it's really like trying to sort of extrapolate yourself from being like that deep into the product and kind of almost having, like, I think someone's described it once as like a helicopter view. So being able to like float from that sort of interaction layer of whatever, like even if it's the button or like the choice of like copy you're using or like whatever that flow is all the way up to the top to going like, well, why are we doing that thing from like a business point of view? So the way that I, I would go about trying to like build that out is just try and like expand your horizons in terms of how you understand problems. Mm-hmm. And I think a really good book that I benefited from was um, the business model canvas, which I think is something that was on your mind as well um, yeah. before this, this chat. Um, and I think what's really good about it is it's kind of become this simplified way of like understanding businesses and sort of breaking them into modular components. So it's kind of created like a common language for people to deconstruct businesses and, and kind of use them almost a bit like, you know, Lego blocks in terms of like thinking about what are the different things that make a business tick. So very simply, you know, as a business, um, how do you sort of create value? How do you capture value and how do you connect it to the customer and deliver it? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I really, really like about that book is it's kind of actually written from almost like a design thinking kind of point of view. So it kind mm-hmm. of like takes you through, um, very much like the, the the exact life cycle that you'd have within value proposition design. So starting from like trying to establish what your value proposition is, trying to establish, you know, who your, your, what your product market fit is, and then using that as kind of a, a way of actually prototyping. So I've got a hunch about who my customer is. I've got a hunch about what the kind of the offer is that might appeal to them. And using that in a really iterative way to sort of go about testing different ideas and, and, uh, and then over time, as those um, hypotheses get sort of either negated or improved, building out more layers. So it's a really good way, I think, of just joining the dots and recognizing that beyond the thing that you're actually working on, there's so many other different parts that need to come together to make something whole, like yeah. to make a business work. So, yeah, I think that's a really solid book that I would uh, recommend everyone reading. Because um, I think it just gives you like the vocabulary and the language and that wider awareness of what goes into making something a real offer because I think sometimes we get infatuated with the craft of what we do but we don't necessarily think about what sits behind the curtain yeah you know yeah and what's actually important for the business yeah yeah um, I think just to to wrap up now um, I think I started with this intro but I never asked you the question yes um, so I think it would be good to explain to listeners what do you think are the differences between business design mm-hmm Service design, design strategy, and experience strategy. Jesus, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go one by one and, and remind each of them. Okay, so like business, I, I, I 
say, I start off by saying I think there's a huge amount of blur between them all, but I would say that business design these days, um, I think uh, there's kind of a big crossover between business design and experience design, but I think where it's kind of becoming now is using the, ter- using the tools of design thinking to help um, basically affect change on a holistic scale within a business. So one of the things that I've noticed in my career, small sort of detour, is that, you know, on a very kind of simple level, you started off like where I started working in advertising and advertising used to be about, or media used to be like opportunity to see and, and repetition and, you know, persuasion. So it kind of went from like, like let's hit people as many times as we possibly can with as much creative as possible. Like this very sort of fifties kind of advertising PNG <laughs> to, okay, now it's all about affinity. Like we're going to create a brand persona and we're going to create like a, a brand image that people can connect with. And that's going to be really persuasive. And then after that, it became about, unlike oh, no, sod that it's about, um, you know, creating really smart, tactical, digital uh, advertising so we'll like, intercept people just before they go to the bathroom or just before they go to the McDonald's. Get, we'll catch them at the time of need. And then after that, it became about, okay, no, it's really actually about, you know, communications products. So we'll, like, create these really rich communications products that, you know, um, actually help the consumer achieve what they want to do and sell our products at the same time. Then people said, stop that. It's not, about, it's not about comms anymore. It's about the real products that people actually need. Let's design the best product for the job. And then it was like, actually, you know what? Fuck that. The business we're in these days is not about making the right product. We need to embed that product in the company. So the unit of change now is actually the company. We need to design the business. And so I think that's kind of where a lot of companies have kind of landed on this really nebulous idea of digital business transformation, which we were joking about before. So this idea that, you know, we can try and holistically affect change across the business. So that means not only sort of fixing the products or service or fix the interface, but also fix the tech stack that supports it and fix the culture of the people that actually have to mm-hmm. adopt these products and make them work and and work around it. So it's, an, it's a gargantuan task. But um, coming back to your question, I think business design is trying to use the tools of design thinking, use the tools of design to try and um, help position all those different components of a business, technology, people, process, whatever, into the all-seeing, all-dancing kind of... Um, happy path of um of trying to bring those things together yeah the ideal world of like (laughs) basically creating a great a great business environment that can sort of you know ideally be um agile and what i mean by that is being in a position where it's a it's a company that's um not only great at doing what it does so it can sort of churn out the widgets if that's its core business but it's also in a position whereby it can um be fleet of foot so it can discover you know, new products and services and revenue opportunities as they come up as the competitive landscape shifts or the, the customer landscape or needs change. So that's, I think, for me, how I understand business design. I don't know if that's 100% by the book. So you say, but, but that is related to um, service design as well, isn't it? So just service design for me, like, is a component of that. Like, service yeah. design for me is a tool. I don't think service design... Well, I guess it, it is kind of a discipline in its own right. Like, it's a very fat methodology, right? Mm-hmm. So service design, as I understand it, is like basically there's two halves to it. There's your kind of your front stage and your back stage. And your front stage for me is kind of like understanding that kind of customer journey and those customer touch points. But it's really joining the dots between how the customer experiences the product or the product arrives to them um, and joining the dots between like what are the backend enablers from the business, whether that's, again, your people, your process, your technology that can actually make that stuff come to life. Yeah. And it's kind of like... So it's more into the delivery of the service or product, right? Whereas business would look into the business. Yeah. I think there are different levels of kind of... Um, the different levels of kind of uh, fidelity. Like, um, 
like for example, in business design, service design is a key tool to yeah. to um, achieve whatever you need to achieve. Okay. Um, what about then experience design. strategy? Oh, experience Ex- experience, experience design. design or experience strategy. So I think again, like the way we're talking about these, I think you could almost like layer them because I think yeah. they're different layers, almost like of a cake. So I'd probably say that experience design. I think was born out of um, a world in which we were really concentrating on a proposition that was led through a particular medium, like an app or you know a website or yeah. whatever. Um, maybe um, if it was a bit more evolved, perhaps as a service. So like you know the the classic example would be like, all right, if it was like Netflix or if it was Spotify or if it was Nike Plus. So I think, um, yeah, the experience design there is trying to. Look at look at that kind of um, that product in the context of like serving a higher business aim or solving a bigger business problem. Yeah. But still, very much being like, because I have a good handle on this, I'm going to define exactly how this product needs to behave, and I'm going to sort of like take um, care and attention to detail in terms of um, how that translates into the experience. Yeah. Whereas like UX, um, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but um, I feel really bad oh, that's demoting. Very controversial. Very controversial. <laughs> UX for me would kind of like live alongside or below that um, in terms of making that real. Yeah. Um, but as I said before, I think all great UXs have that kind of vision, have that wide. Yeah, because even if you're delivering on the touch point and you're delivering on the experience of that particular yeah. thing, you still need to, as you said, go up a level and think about why you're doing it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. How, because sometimes we get really uh, stubborn, and I, I include myself when you like say, "No, we can't really like not have that feature because yeah, that's yeah, fundamental yeah. to the experience." But if that feature is costing the business like three times more, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, you have to really consider that. Um, but when when you are just too into the detail, you don't really you don't really care too much about what the business problem is. But I think. Yeah you would add more value if you actually pay attention to it and try oh, to consider it when you are delivering. At the same time, businesses need to realize that to have good experiences, sometimes you have to invest a little bit more. Yeah, of <laughs> but course. But that's a different discussion. It's a, it's a different discussion. So to summarize, I think, if you were to like think of it as a hierarchy in terms of the level of ambition or the, the level of change, I would say at the top, you've got business design mm-hmm. in terms of trying to holistically fix the business and try and stitch all the different parts of the puzzle together so that they make sense and they work as a good system. So I'd say business design at the top, I would then probably say as a subset of that, you might say service design, this isn't a perfect hierarchy, but I think that's a key tool in achieving mm-hmm. business design. Um, and then underneath that service design, I think you've got experience design, which is more focused on bringing to life a value proposition, which comes to life through a particular uh, touch point or through a particular channel. Um, or it might be a series of channels that bring to life a service. Mm-hmm. And then underneath that, I would see um, UX in its kind of more uh, smaller sense, I guess, um, bringing to life those particular critical elements of interaction and sort of, you know, uh, making it sing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I think that you're the best person I've heard, like, making those, like, creating those definitions. So oh, well, thank you very okay. much. I'm still, I'm still working it out. I, I, I find out <laughs> I like industry... It's a jargon as well though. Like. Our, our industry is just full of bull- <laughs> bullshit bingo and buzzwords. Like it's so bad. And I recently met someone who called themselves I'm an interaction service designer. I'm like, oh, what? what do you actually mean? Now you added a, an interaction in, yeah, in, in yeah. the word. <laughs> 
That is okay. <laughs> well, I think we're all evolving, we're all changing, and yep. I guess um, you're also looking for jobs as well out there, so you could just change your titles. Yeah. LinkedIn so what allows it? everything. It does, yeah. I can, I can endorse you for knife throwing or something after this. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for being with us. Anything um, else you wanted to add? No, I think, I think I'm good for now. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for let's being with us. Let's go to the us. pub. Okay, let's go to the pub. Thanks. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Search and subscribe to Design Untangled using your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Follow us on the web at designuntangled.co.uk or on Twitter at designuntangled. Become a better designer with online mentoring at uxmentor.me.